Good morning. It's good to see everybody here today, and I want to go ahead, and I know we have quite a few people missing on vacation and illness this morning, but I couldn't wait to introduce our new members, uh, Bonnie and Michael Moore, and they have joined the body of Living Way Community Church. So, so everybody, when they get back next week, I'll announce it again. How about that? So. They're missed. They missed it. But no, that's all right. Uh, we welcome you here this morning. I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, God is so awesome, and we thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. I want to share a story with you, and this morning as I go through this sermon and text, I ask that you bear with me as we are again in the book of Revelation chapter 11. Uh, if you could, you could turn there. Uh, we will be in, I'm sorry, 12, Revelation chapter 12 if we can. Uh, but, but I want to share a story that, uh, as, as several of you know, or, or, or a lot of you know, that I spent some time uh, northward for about 10 years as a missionary and, and a church planter, and I was given a phone, or received a phone call that changed me dramatically uh, during the time that I was up there. Uh, I get a call from the school, the public school system that they need pastoral assistance right now. Now, how often does that happen? But let me tell you what happened. You see, in the community we live, we had a young man that had some troubles. And one night, he decides to walk 14 miles and jumped out in front of a semi-truck to end his life. 14 miles, and he killed himself. As we are called to the school to minister to those that are grieving, I never will forget as I sit there in front of some of these kids that were just destroyed by this. And one young man looked at me and he said, well, I guess in the world we live in, there's no hope. I'm telling you. I walked out of that place, and this is no, no lie, and you, and you can... You can Laugh or think this is funny, but it occupied my mind so bad that as I was leaving the cafeteria, I was looking straight ahead and I forgot there were steps there and I fell down a flight of stairs. It meant up that I seen these young people in the prime of their life or just starting out that felt there was no hope in this world. And you know what? Apart from Christ, there isn't. You see, what I want to share with you this morning is I guarantee you those that call yourselves believers in Christ at times want to give up. Am I wrong? You feel overwhelmed by the, the things that are going on in this world. You feel alone. But I want to begin this to, to share with you that I want you to always understand that God will preserve and protect His people. You see, there's a radical movement going on right now. Where you'll have, and you've heard me say this, I talked a little bit about this Wednesday, where there's the health, wealth, and prosperity junk going around that people are saying, as believers, we will be healthy. As believers, we can have money. 
There will be no issues in life. Let me tell you that that teaching is unbiblical. I'm tired of hearing it. And people are being drawn in by this. Let me give you an example. And I don't believe this is coincidence, but the last song we just sung called In Christ Alone, a major denomination wanted to add this song to their hymnal. They wrote the copyright people to this song and said, we don't like the verse, the wrath of God was satisfied. Can we change those words to the love of God was magnified? Because that hurts. Jesus, God's love is magnified. Jesus didn't pay that harsh of a penalty. The Bible tells me in Isaiah 53 that God placed His Son on a cross and He crushed Him for our iniquity. By His stripes we are healed. The copyright people said, absolutely, positively not. Praise God for somebody taking a stand. Let me assure you this morning as we get into this book that in a world that we have no hope, God is always faithful in His promises. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Man, this is one of the verses, I know people are hindered and go different places and sickness and all. This is when you wish you had everybody here. Let me tell you there is hope found in Christ. A great sign appeared in heaven. And a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems, and his tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven, threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that she might give birth. So when she gave birth, she might devour her child. Now, how are you going to connect this, Chad? And I want to show you that in Revelation 1 through 4, you will see as John is on the Isle of Patmos, he will talk about the seven churches of Asia Minor. We went through that. Now... From one to four is the churches with Asia Minor. And again, as John is on the Isle of Patmos, he is given a vision. Between chapters 4 and chapter 11 deal with the time of Revelation. Okay? The timing. See, that's where a lot of people and scholars and different thoughts of different camps, people will disagree in timing. And we went over this when we started Revelation. You have your dispensationalists, pre-mill, post-mill, all-mill, uh, pre-trib, post-trib. And here's the thing. A lot of you have been versed in different ways, okay? Now let me make sure that I always say this when I do a message in Revelation because, look, I'm not going to fight you over timing, but what I will say is this. If you don't believe Jesus Christ is coming back, we got a problem. He's going to return. So 4 through 11 deal with timing. Now 12 through 19 will deal with the characters in that timing, okay? We will look at some characters this week and next week, and the first one I want to look at is the woman. Who is this woman? Now, there are some people that will say, well, that woman is the Virgin Mary. Act, can't deal with it. 
The reason why verse 6 totally throws that out of, out of order. So it's not the Virgin Mary. Some people will say this is the church. Here's the problem. Listen to me. I get excited with this. Christ birthed the church. The church did not birth Christ. It's Israel. Okay? It's Israel. Now, this woman, it appeared in heaven. It's a sign. And in this sign, she's clothed with sun, moon under her feet. She has power. And her head was a crown of 12 stars. Royalty. He's talking about Israel. You see, here's the deal. God has not forgotten his promise to Israel. Now, we discussed last week that just because you are Jew doesn't mean you're going to be saved. Not all of Jews are Israel. But the remnant that has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It has always been by faith. It will be by faith. There is no other way. You see, this preaching ain't popular. Because we like to make a God that suits ourselves. But there is no way other than Christ. Period. Amen? Okay, period. I don't care who you are. It is by Christ alone. By faith alone. And this woman had a head of, head of, 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 of crown, and, and it, she is very royal. He is talking about Israel. Now I want you to think about this for a moment, because if we look at the next character, we will see Satan. Now I want to bring this out as well. Look what it says in the next few verses, and I'm going to put this sermon together for you. And being in labor and pain, give birth. Okay? Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. This is Satan. Red is the color of blood. A dragon is a mythical creature, always associated, if you will, with fire and evil. Well, not always, but most of the time. He had seven heads and ten horns. And on his heads were seven diadems. Now I want you to look at this. We learned this through the book of Daniel. He has horns. He has power. He has crown. He has authority. And I want you to think about this for a few minutes. How does he have power and authority? Well, the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians that he is still ruler of this earth. He is the God of this earth, if you will, little g. He has authority. But his authority is on a short leash. Keep that in mind. There's nothing that Satan can do without God allowing it. We got to get out of the Star Wars mentality. You see the devil and, and, and God sword fighting. Let me tell you something. It don't work that way. He has authority that has been given to him. And that authority is on a short leash. But he has authority. And what happens is, his tail swept away a third of the stars from heaven and threw them to the earth. Satan fell. This is a reference to when Satan fell. Now we know this by scripture, but also it had to happen before Adam and Eve. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Genesis 3 that the serpent was more craftier than any other beast in the field. Remember? So let me tell you something. He's smarter than you. We tend to forget that. 
He's smarter than you. But what I want to do this morning is we see two characters, Israel and Satan. Now, how do they play a part in this? Well, it's all a part of God's plan. You have to understand that this Israel will give birth to Christ. Okay? And what happens is, Satan has always been anti-Christ. God allows him dominion, but he's anti-Christ. So, how do you get this, Chad, from this picture? If you have your Bibles, we're going to have little book drills this morning. Turn to the book of Genesis. If you miss this one, we've got to talk after service. So go to the first book of the Bible, book of Genesis, chapter 3. Book of Genesis, chapter 3. Genesis, chapter 3. You see, Adam and Eve were given a specific directive. All this is yours. Except what? The tree of life, tree of knowledge. Don't touch it. Very simple order. Don't touch this tree. But all of a sudden, this serpent comes in the picture and says, Nah, you can have that. Oh, the power of temptation. And the power of coveting that that is not yours. And she took of the fruit. A lot of people say it's an apple. Have you ever noticed something about the Bible? It never says it's an apple, does it? Speak when the Bible speaks. Be quiet when it don't. <laughs> okay? She eats. The very thing that God said not to do. She gives to her husband. He eats. Therefore, condemning humanity. God had a plan. Look right here. Genesis chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 13. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the servant, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle. And more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you will go, and on the dust you will eat all the days of your life. Now listen. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the hill. There's enmity. And since Satan's fall, he's tried to thwart the plans of God. But you see here that he cannot thwart the plans of God because he has a purpose. You see, at the fall of man, man needed a Savior. It is Jesus Christ. But Satan tried to thwart this plan. If you will read throughout the text, you will see that he may have temporary rule but he does not have ultimate victory. We must understand this. Because what you will see happen, that he tried to thwart the plan when Cain killed Abel. But it didn't work, did it? He tried to thwart the plan when Pharaoh tried to have all the Hebrew children killed. 
But along came Moses. The Bible tells me in the book of Esther, a very beautiful book, that there's a lady named Hadassah who will be given the name Hadassah, who will be given the name Esther. And there will be a core couple of characters that play an interesting role in this book. You will have the man that's second in charge to Azuerus by the name of Haman. Then you'll have another man named Mordecai. And see, this man, Haman, says, you know, we need to exterminate these Jews. And he cast a lot called a pure. Today they celebrate the feast of Purim. What happened in this book is he tried to destroy God's people. But Mordecai would tell Esther that you were put on this earth for such a time as this. And what happened? Haman's plans got thwarted. And he was hung on the very gallows that he built. God has a plan. Satan may have temporary victory, but he does not have rule. Saul sought to kill David. But David pressed on. You get to the New Testament. The Bible tells me that even after Christ was born, that Satan tried to thwart the plan. How many of you have heard the song, My Deliverer is Coming by Rich Mullins? Rich Mullins, if you're not familiar, died about 20 years ago, who wrote songs that were before his time. And he had a song called, My Deliverer is Coming where he said that Jesus grew up on the banks of the Nile, where the Hebrew children used to sing, My Deliverer is coming. You said, what does that mean? The Bible tells me that when Christ was born, that Herod sought to destroy all the children that were two years and younger. So his parents took flight to Egypt. And God preserved his plan. My deliverer is coming. You can see throughout time that Satan has tried to thwart God's plans. But God is still in control. You see, what I want to go through this, and I want you to understand, that just like this woman in this text, God promised a remnant. He will fulfill His promises to His people. And no matter what happens, as we learned last week, that God in His grace and mercy, even though His people rejected Him, He sent two witnesses, apart from the 144,000 sealed, to preach the gospel in the land of Egypt and Sodom, which we talked about last week was what? Jerusalem. That in His mercy, He still sent witnesses to preach the gospel. It is by the gospel that men are saved and by the gospel alone. And he would say there will be a remnant. And as this woman gives birth to Israel, let me tell you something. People will say, well, what good is it to be a Jew? Well, according to Paul, everything. Because the gospel came through them. Read Revelation or um, Romans chapter 9. God is faithful in His promises. And He will preserve a remnant. And Israel will be that nation that births Christ. And Christ will birth the church. But look at what the Bible says. 
And his tail swept away a third of the stars. This is a vision in heaven, talking about the fall of Satan. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Satan always seeks to devour. And I can tell you this, if you get your eyes off Christ, he will devour you. I tend to think so many times we forget about spiritual warfare. We have surrounded ourselves with people who want to talk about all the great things you can have as a Christian. We have created a God in our image. And we have spat and blasphemed the name of the Holy God. Christ was not created for us in our glory. God created us for His glory. Big difference. But I want you to understand something very clearly as we get into this text. And you will see this playing out. That as the tribulation time begins to come along, and we see all these things going on, that God will protect and preserve His people. This is the whole purpose of the passage where 11 comes into 12. Remember we talked about last week that when John was told to measure the temple... There's two reasons why God measures the temple. Do we remember why? Number one, for judgment. Number two, for preservation. He will preserve His people. And if He will preserve His people, He will sustain His people. I want you to understand in the world we live in, where there's COVID rapid, there's hate everywhere. We see all the nastiness that is going around in the world. We have false teachers and preachers telling you you can have your best life now. Understand this. If you are having your best life now, you're on your way to hell. It's not about what you can attain. It's not about what you can have. You see, it's somebody sent me... Be careful with this one. Okay. I pray that God's kingdom will be done on this earth. I pray for His kingdom to come. But understand, I am just a visitor to this land. My home is an eternity. My best life is yet to come, people. And if I spend all my days focusing about what I can have today, I don't look at who has me today. You hear me? Listen to me. I can promise you as each one of you sit here that one day you're going to die. I promise you that. The death rate is still one out of every person die. One out of every one. Can't get no better odds than that. And I can promise you that that which you've owned, you've heard me say this, that somebody will be fighting over in a few years. It'll either be sold at auction or your siblings or friends or children will fight over it. That which you have, somebody else will have. You will return to dust. That's a fact. You know, I was watching a documentary last night on Egypt. I don't know why. But I decided to watch this on mummification. And see, the Egyptians believed that they could preserve a body for the afterlife. The interesting part about this, they have mummies that survive 48 and 5,000, 4,800 and 5,000 years. But you know what? They're still just as dead. My grandpa said they're dead in a hammer. But their soul still exists. And either they'll be in the presence of Christ or they'll be in hell. There's no middle ground. Now there again, this ain't popular. 
But I promise you, and listen to me, I care for your souls. I'm not here to get people's amens, and I'm not here to be applauded, because I tell you this, I will let you down. And in many ways, I probably have. But I am here to the best of my ability to preach the gospel, which is only one gospel. As I've told you many times, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. There are many people that can preach the gospel better than I can. But nobody can preach a better gospel than I can, because there's only one, and Christ will use it for his glory, some shape, form, or fashion. I will let you down. But I am here to tell you as a concerned shepherd for this sheep and this world that we live in that God will preserve a remnant. Do you hear that? And I want to get in that for a few moments. A remnant. For Jesus said, now is the path to righteousness. And how many find it? Few. Which in American or Greer Indian, a few is always how many? Three. So if we're looking at ten, three out of ten. Now, I'm not God, and I'm not making up numbers. I'd be adding to the Bible. What I'm saying that from few means few. There will be a remnant, because that remnant will place their faith and trust in Christ. Satan seeks whom he, whom he may devour. And God has given him the authority to do this. But let me assure you of this. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will not devour you. This world may kill you. This world may take your home. You may die of a disease. You may get killed in a car wreck. But let me tell you this. There is no greater peace than knowing when you lay your head down at night. If tomorrow be your great getting up morning, that when you leave this earth, you are present with Jesus Christ. No greater peace, my friends. See, seeks whom you may devour. He's always done this, but there's a plan. And as we study the book of Revelation, and I'm out of breath, I should have brought my inhaler, but that's okay. Listen. He's always had a plan to seek whom he may devour. And there'll be a remnant saved. But let me make this applicable to us today. And I want you to understand this very clearly. You may be discouraged because of your financial shape. You may be discouraged because of your physical shape. You may be discouraged because your job is horrendous. You may be discouraged because you are depressed. And let me tell you something, that's real too, people. If you don't believe in spiritual warfare, you're not reading your scriptures. And you may feel that there's no hope. And Satan wants to devour you. But let me tell you something. Fix your eyes upon the cross of Jesus. He said he would never leave you or forsake you. And not only does Satan strike your weaknesses, he strikes your strengths. Listen to me. You see, you may not be down with all these things. You may be up with all these things. Your job may be going great. You may have more cash rolling in than the will of fortune. You may never have been sick a day in your life. You may have a sack full of goodies in your home. But understand from this perspective, it's this. A lot of times us as human beings, or most of the time, it's amazing how quick when things are going our way, we forget about God. Because we become complacent in our lives. 
And it's the little things that Satan will use to destroy us. I want to read you something that I think is very powerful. Bear with me. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate, four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I'd seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers with the wisdom of a serpent. I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible's a myth. I would convince that... That convinced them that man created God instead of God created man. I would confide that what's bad is good and that what's good is square. And the old and the old, I would teach them to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors on how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction, and I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, nations at war with themselves, until each in its own turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just to let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have a drug-sniffing dog and metal detectors in every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I would evict God from the courthouse and then from the schoolhouse and then from the houses of Congress. In his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing young boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take those who have and give it to those who won't until I'd kill the incentive of the ambitious. And what would you bet I could get the whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that the marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, and what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I would undress you in public. I would lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what I'm doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. That was written in 1965. Satan seeks whom he will destroy. But God has a plan. And listen to me today. Either you can aid the devil and subvert yourselves, submit to him, or you can keep your eyes on Christ. I am not going to sit up here and tell you that all's going to be great. I will not tell you that tomorrow we may not be in war. I will not tell you that your house will be foreclosed on. I'm not going to tell you that evil's not going to run rampant through your schools. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to have money. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to have help. But what I will tell you is we have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has preserved and who has sustained those that place their faith and trust in Him.
Listen to me. Just like that young man, he walked because the devil whispered in his ear. And I've thought about this many times and it has kept me up at night. As I know as he was walking those 14 miles. 14 people. How many of you ever walked 14 miles? How many can fathom walking 14 miles to jump in front front of a tractor trailer? And I have to believe that Satan was agging him on the way. Keep on walking, son. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. See, that's what Satan wants to do to you. He wants to get the fight out of you. So you won't labor in prayer. So you won't spend time with your family. So you'll sit at the kitchen table with all your kids on electronics. So you will look at this world as something there is no hope. That you will promote self. Try to get higher in the world. When you know without a shadow of a doubt, one day you're going to leave this world. And I have never seen a human being on his deathbed. And I've sat beside a lot of people that are dying. And I've sat behind a lot of people at, or sat beside a lot of caskets and funerals. From young to old. Listen to me very clearly. I don't care how old you are. I have ne- never sat behind a casket where everybody was the same age. And I've never heard one person say, man, I sure wish I'd have spent more time at work. I'm sorry I couldn't leave you a sack full of money. 99.9% of the time I've heard regret. Because people have chosen to pursue their own ambitions and to pursue Christ. He wants to get the fight out of you. I've seen this sickness consume so many people in so many lives. I have seen people that's going through this COVID, this consumed lives, that people we know in our own congregation have lost loved ones. And I see the testimony of them still coming to church and going, press on, brother, press on. Now we have monkeypox. Do you not understand that as long as we live on this corrupt world, we're going to have corrupt things? So seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen? Listen to me. I'm going to close with this. You see, just like the Israel of old, Satan threw everything he had at them. You know Hitler tried to destroy him too. The Muslims, the Greeks. But God sustained a remnant. And he will continue to do so. Narrows the gate to righteousness and few find it. But understand this. As we make this applicable to us, we must have a focus on the cross. We often snicker when I say this. But I mean it. And listen to me. And every one of you should have this mentality then when you leave this world, you are to be known as a cross-eyed rock and roll Christian. That your foot's on the rock, your eyes are on the cross, and your name is on the roll. Amen? Because once you get your eyes off the cross, that's when Satan comes at you. Let me read this quote to you. Isn't it funny how morals, mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds? In reality, 
Our best work is done by keeping things out. Comes from a book called The Screw Tape Letters, where two demons are having a discourse back and forth. It was written by C.S. Lewis. I'm not one to encourage uh, books of fiction, but this is a good one. Because I'm going to tell you why. That's exactly right. If Satan can keep you occupied with the whatsoever, the complacency, he will allow you to fill your mind with stuff. You see, an unoccupied mind is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. So don't set your mind on things of this world. You set your mind on things above. Amen? I've shared this illustration, but I want to close with this. And I think it should give, encourage, give encouragement to, uh, uh, to one of you. You see, several years ago, um, well, actually it was in 2010, and, and you've heard me share this story. My wife's dad was diagnosed with cancer. And they had called at that time, I was pastoring a church in Middleburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, I was actually doing a funeral the next day of someone in our congregation that had passed away. And we get the call from uh, her stepmother that her dad was dying and he had three days to live. So we hurried and got Tiffany a ticket, the church did, for her to fly out the next morning. So I'd called Tiffany and I had uh, said, I'm about to do the funeral. As soon as I do the funeral, I'll get the boys out of school and I'll head to South Carolina. And she said, I'm with your dad. He's taking me to see my dad now. And this is 20, less than 24 hours after we got the call. And she said, Chad, I, I want to give my daddy these verses. And she read them. Well, brothers and sisters, as soon as she had gotten to the house, her dad had died 20 minutes before she got there. And she never got to tell him bye. And she struggled with this for so long because she didn't understand why God had given her those verses to give to her dad. He didn't live three days. He lived less than 24 hours. And it destroyed her in a lot of ways. And as I called her after the funeral, she told me her dad, she said her holding his hand, he had passed away. I tried, and she said, I don't understand. And, and she was struggling with this, and to be honest with you, I was. And let me read you the verses she was going to give him. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ.
And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible for full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. You see, God revealed to her that those verses wasn't given to give to her dad. They were given to her. Understand this. None of us are guaranteed anything. And we all will find trouble. Jesus says in our lives we will have trouble. And as we have read through Revelation, at the time of tribulation when everything is going to hell on earth, God is faithful to His promises to protect His remnant. Do you not think they're going to go through all this stuff? God will not allow anything to happen to them that He don't want to happen. And they're going to experience bad things just like you are. But He who perseveres to the end will receive a crown of glory. And that is something worth celebrating. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day and we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. And we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, who went to Calvary and paid a debt He did not owe because we had a debt we could not pay. And God, as the group comes up here to sing, I I want everyone to ponder in their hearts. A lot of people, when we ask, are you saved? They will say yes. The next question is, why are you saved? There's no way that anybody can have an encounter with Jesus Christ and not be the same. You say, I know Jesus. The most important thing is this. Does Jesus know you? There are a lot of people on that day will say, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? And you will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Does Christ know you? If Christ does know you and you are born again believer in Jesus Christ, you may be depressed. You may be financially stricken. You may be sick. You may have lost a loved one. You may go through things and you say, why God, I do not understand why Satan seeks to devour me. Because that's what he does. But understand that victory is temporary. For God will sustain you in all things. And it's not going to be easy. We have prepared, Lord, a generation of people that have the bobblehead Jesus mentality that we set you on the dashboard of our car as a symbol of, hey, it may be good, it may not. God, I know that I may be sick, I may be poor, I may die, I may get shipwrecked, I may be beat up, I may fall over with leprosy. Lord, I don't know what's going to come at me. But what I do know, Lord, you have protected my soul and had sealed me according to your word unto the day of redemption. One day I'm going to stand before you. And Lord, there's nothing I can say when I'm before you other than point to Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for that price paid. Lord, they may be those here that are struggling with so many things. God, I pray that you show them your glory, that they find interest and desire to seek your face and in your word, that they may grow closer to you. God, it's oftentimes as we misquote, 
For God causes all things to work to good. Lord, you never promised to change our condition, that those scriptures are written, that we may be drawn closer to your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you may be glorified. We pray that as we sing today, you be magnified. A little less than us. Let us decrease, or a lot less of us, that we decrease, that you may increase. And God, if we go out that door today, that if we have placed our faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, that when we leave this body, we'll be present with you. And Lord, let us rejoice that even though, as we read in this text, that Satan has begun to seek who he may devour from the very beginning of time, Lord, he's on a short leash that is held by your Son. Lord, we love you and praise your name. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us, please.